So I'll start off just with a quick introduction of myself. Um, so my name is Madeline uh, and I'm a fourth year student at UVic and the director of communications for ELECTHER. Um, and then ELECTHER is essentially a student run club that aims to have people, uh, specifically other university students, uh, be inspired to join political jobs, whether those are jobs like yours that are voted in or sort of more of behind the scenes, um, specifically for women and people of marginalized genders. Um, and then I'll also just do a quick territorial acknowledgement. So I am in Victoria. Um, and so I live upon the Songhees, Esquimalt and Wasanich people's territory. Um, and I respect that their vital relationships with the land continue to this day. Um, and yeah, so thank you again so much for joining us. And if you'd like to do sort of a quick introduction, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. I'm coming at you from uh, Treaty 6 territory, a traditional uh, meeting place of the Métis peoples as well. And so I'm um, very honored to be here, uh, Treaty 6 territory, Edmonton, I'm Muskogee-Waskahican. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, Janice Urban. I'm the MLA for Edmonton Highlands Norwood. And uh, my role is also, I'm the uh, critic for women's issues and LGBTQ2S plus issues in the uh, official opposition. One of our club members is actually originally from uh, your writing. And so they're very <laughs> starstruck. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> yeah, small world. <laughs> um, and so just a bit about how you sort of got into politics and where you are now. Um, what first sparked your interest in sort of pursuing that kind of role? Yeah, so I mean, I've always been uh, interested in politics. Um, in my background, I was actually a social studies teacher uh, before um, entering politics. And so, like I said, I've always had a keen interest in, in political issues and in uh, activism and, and just, you know, being involved. And um, it wasn't until I had been teaching and living in rural Alberta and I moved back to Edmonton about um, 10 years ago. And it wasn't until then that I, I got... Uh, formally involved with um, with politics, and so I uh, started volunteering with the NDP and found a party that aligned with my values. Long story short, one thing kind of led to another, and um, I was knocking on doors. I was volunteering a whole bunch, and started to realize that possibly I could uh, I could run, and so I did. I ran in the federal election in 2015. And I was um, inspired by a lot of things, but in particular, you know, um, just seeing where I was living in Edmonton, I was just seeing a lot of folks struggling with housing and poverty and issues that hadn't been addressed. And that really inspired me to, 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 um, to make the leap to politics, like to official, you know, running for office. And um, I wasn't successful. So it was disappointing. We had a really strong campaign and, and worked really hard, but Sadly, uh, we, we didn't win that first time around, but um, I stayed involved and fast forward a few years to 2019, I ran again, but this time provincially and I was successful. And um, jumping from sort of like a volunteer to then running um, at that level obviously takes uh, a bit of confidence. <laughs> and so for someone who's sort of starting out, how would you recommend just build that confidence? You know, I always tell folks um, uh, who are interested in running for politics, I, 
I will never discourage anyone. Although I, I just met with a candidate this morning and I said to him like, well, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll discourage you if you're a fascist or something like that. But obviously, um, you know, I encourage, I, I do a lot of talks with, with women and um, folks from the LGBTQ2S plus community about getting involved and getting active in politics, because that's something I'm passionate about, right? I want, um, I want our legislatures to look more like our province and they don't right now, right? Um, but I can also say just on the whole women in politics thing, thing, uh, my uh, uh, perspective has really shifted over the years because I know, I know when I started in politics, I was always like, oh yeah, we just need more women and more women, rah, rah, rah. And, and, and I very much shifted because, you know, I don't need women uh, representing me in politics who are going to attack women's rights, LGBTQ2S plus rights. So I want strong progressive people who are going to uphold the values that I care deeply. Um, and I hope that they, you know, if they, if they can be women, if they can be racialized folks, even better, right? So I, I can admit that my perspective has shifted, but all that to say, to answer your question, like, absolutely. I, I, I always encourage people to, to run if they're thinking about it. We have a really bad habit, especially women, and the research supports this, of talking ourselves out of it or feeling like we're not qualified. Um, and that, that I, I, you know, I try to talk to people and try to try to challenge that belief. Um, and in that sort of perspective shift, what do you think your biggest or one of the biggest, I presume there's lots of learning curves um, as you've progressed through politics? Oh, goodness, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, oh, I'm sure there's lots of things. Of course, I won't be able to think of them all right now. But, um, you know, I, like one thing, you know, Madeline, you probably know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm visibly queer and I, I get my, you know, I'm pretty active on social media. So I get my, uh, uh, my fair share of haters. And so I think that's one thing where like, you know, I've had to um, accept, maybe accept isn't the right word, but hear me out here. It's been a long day of, of meetings already and it's only, it's only noon. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had to sort of acknowledge that there are going to be haters. There are going to be people who don't like me simply because of who I am. Um, and that's okay. That's on them. Right. So that's probably been one thing. It's just like, you know, when I first, um, when I first got elected and, or even when I first joined Paula, you know, got involved in politics, running for office, like it would, it would hurt so much when I had all these awful comments about my looks and my appearance and my sexuality. Now I'm like, you know, there's the odd one that's still like, oh my goodness. But now I just, you know, it, it's like I said, it's a reflection of them, not me. And um, you know, so I tell uh, women and, and, and non-binary folks uh, who are interested in, in running for office that like, you know, that's going to happen. You're going to get some awful stuff, but don't let it stop you because that's what they want it to do. They want it to silence you. They want you to stop um, fighting and being vocal. And in those sorts of moments where it does um, sort of get to you or kind of have those feelings of overwhelm for the amount of work ahead, how do you stop yourself from sort of just packing it in and, and walking away? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm elected, you know, I, a lot of people put their faith in me to, to be their MLA. And, um, you know, I, you, you never fully know what something's going to be like, a job is going to be like until you're um, fully engaged in it. But, you know, I knew that there would be, um, there would be challenges, there would be difficult things that I would encounter. But 
I took that on, right? I, 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 you know, you, we know that politics can be a pretty rough sport at times, right? So um, just knowing, I guess, that I'm here to represent people, I'm here to amplify the voices of folks that haven't been heard or that have been silenced. And that's a really big um, privilege and responsibility. And so as hard as it can get from time to time, um, that, that, you know, that, that can't stop me because I have to acknowledge all the privilege that I have. And in sort of representing communities that aren't often heard, um, how do you make sure you stay true to, to their message and to the values that you hold um, as you go through your work? Yeah, great question. I mean, um, you know, I'll give the example of, um, you know, I'm obviously very uh, unapologetically queer, but um, I'm also uh, simply a, um, you know, a, a white transgender member of the community, or, or sorry, a white cisgender member of the community. Uh, I said trans because it's actually the, the Transgender Day of Visibility. And I get a lot of folks who, well, I get a lot of folks who think that I'm, I'm trans and I'm not, but I will use every opportunity to, um, uh, to, uh, to, to, to spread the word about trans rights because we know there's so much work to be done. And so, like I said, I'm a white cisgender woman of, with, with a lot of privilege. So I can't possibly try to um, uh, really speak to the experience of say a racialized trans person. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that justice, but I can certainly try to amplify their voice. And my dream, Madeline, is that I don't have to be, you know, the one speaking about um, uh, trans rights in the legislature because I'm joined, I'll be joined by somebody who's trans. And we haven't had that yet, right? We haven't had a lot of racialized folks. Um, we still need more women, non-binary folks, right? There's so much work to be done. And so until we get there, Indigenous folks, I should say as well. So until we get there, um, I'll do the best I can, but I can't claim to speak for other communities. And for young people who might fall into the categories of, of underrepresented in uh, politics, uh, it can be hard to see themselves there. Uh, what kind of steps do you think or actions that they can take to, to build um, towards that into a place that might not currently have a space for them? Yeah, great. And I mean, you know, in, in Alberta right now, I know you folks are following what's happening here politically, I'm sure. And uh, oh, goodness, we are up against a, uh, what do you say? We are up against a conservative UCP government that um, has hurt a lot of folks, right? And that, uh, that, um, you know, would, would love if people would just be silent and would just accept that this is the way it has to be. But it's not. It's absolutely not. And um, I rally and encourage young people to be that voice, to be that change, um, because there's nothing this government would want more than for um, young people to disengage, right? For young people to just throw in the towel and say, um, it's just the way it is, right? No, we need to fight back. We need to push back. A great example right now that's very current is curriculum. Um, just for folks who might not know all the details, curriculum was my life for years. I was a teacher and then I worked with the province on curriculum directly. So I care about it a whole lot. And this government has just introduced a curriculum that is going to um, hurt kids. It's going to, um, 
roll, you know, that's going to roll back any progress in education many, many years. And so um, it's on all of us to speak out and to call it out. So for young people, even if they've just, you know, they're in university, they're in post-secondary, they're not in, in school anymore, K to 12 anymore, um, that doesn't matter. Um, what, what future generations are learning is really, really important. And so, um, you know, that's just an example where I'm seeing, uh, you know, young people rallying saying like, I'm not even in uh, going to be impacted by this curriculum, but it matters. It matters what, what future kids learn. Right. Yeah. I, I'm actually from Calgary originally. And so I read the curriculum draft and I was actually going, I'm going to attend, uh, your event this evening. <laughs> awesome. No, that's great to hear. Yeah. But that's my... <laughs> outside of this um love it being from calgary feelings about all of that all <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so um with that background of being a teacher how do you feel that um those experiences and the rest of of sort of the pieces of your identity have changed the way that you take on your role because obviously you're not the first person to represent that writing but you bring sort of a new light to it um how do you think that has affected your work yeah, I, I mean, and I'm definitely, you know, my predecessor was a was a great guy named Brian Mason, but, um, you know, I'm a lot different than him, and that's okay. We're both NDP uh, MLAs, but, uh, you know, he was a past MLA, but we are different, and that's, like I said, that's okay, you know. Um, uh, Highlands Norwood, I don't think my area has been represented by a by an openly queer person before. Um, it has been represented by a woman before, which is which is awesome. Um, but Brian was our MLA for a long time, so it's definitely a shift. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are, our caucus, our NDP caucus here in Alberta is very much um, uh, bolstered by having people with all different types of experience, right? And so I'm a teacher, a few of my colleagues were teachers as well. And I think that does inform um, the way we do politics, right? Because you know, we, we know what it's, uh, you know, we, we, we know how important it is that um, uh, we center kids' voices and that we think about them in each of the decisions we make in the legislature. And, you know, I think being a teacher probably um, influences the way I interact with people as well. Um, you know, yeah, I, t I tend to respond um, with empathy to people who are critical and tend to try to take, um, uh, you know, moments of criticism as educational opportunities, right? Or even if, uh, you know, if somebody's saying something hateful about trans folks, as an example, which of course I'm getting today on social media, that's an opportunity to first say, okay, is this person actually being hateful or do they just not know, right? It wasn't that long ago that I didn't know anything about trans issues, that I didn't know what it meant to be non-binary as an example, right? So um, we can't blame people um, who are just trying to learn too, right? So maybe that's that's partly the teacher in me too. Um, and sort of bringing up uh, gender in sort of politics, um, how do you think intersectionality needs to be sort of further addressed within um, politics, either at the provincial level or just in general? Yeah, it absolutely does need to be addressed uh, and it needs to be addressed, addressed a whole lot more. I can tell you, again, coming back to the government that we have here uh, under Jason Kenney, this is a premier who uh, said, and I quote, that intersectionality is a kooky theory. So when the head of your government doesn't believe 
in the importance of taking an intersectional approach, whew, that's incredibly <laughs> alarming, right? Ooh. And so, and why that's, um, why that's important, uh, or, or also quite alarming, is because, um, you know, the, the, the decisions that this government makes and the bills and the legislation that they pass is not informed by an intersectional lens. So there's no um, analysis of how any of their policy decisions impact um, the greater community, communities. And uh, an example of that would be under the NDP government, we had gender-based analysis plus, which is a, a program that you know, the federal government used as well to um, really ensure that uh, any policy, any program being put forward by the government would have undergone an analysis to look at the, the, um, the race, the gender, the class implications. The list goes on, of course, when you're looking at intersectionality. Um, because then you can really uh, make an evidence-based, uh, you know, make, make evidence-based decisions. And this government has abandoned that entirely. And there's no, and we see that with the economic recovery plans uh, through COVID. There's no centering of women's voices. There's no analysis of the impact that COVID has had on marginalized groups, right? The list goes on. And so um, this is troubling because what, uh, what message is this sending to folks that are not white and middle-class, right? And would you mind just speaking a bit on how you do think COVID and the recovery programs put in have affected women um, and people of marginalized genders? Yeah, so I mean, we know, um, we I, I can speak most to women because that's where we have the data. Um, and I hate to obviously just use women, men, uh, uh, sort of the binary there because I don't I don't mean that, it's just the Stats Canada data, right? Like, so we know, um, we know that COVID has disproportionately impacted women. And we see that in the jobs numbers. We see that in um, women not re-entering the workforce, right? So we, it's, the, the data there is clear across Canada. Um, and we also, uh, you know, we see more than ever the importance of, of, of the choices that governments are making. And so childcare is a great example because it's quite clear that without childcare, there will not be an economic recovery. So many women bear the brunt of childcare. And if they're having to choose between um, going back to work and looking after their kids, if there's not an affordable quality childcare option, they will stay home. And so we don't reap those economic gains from those, from those women. And it leaves a, a generation of women behind. So yeah, we absolutely know that. We need to see more data, especially in Alberta on the impacts on marginalized folks. Unfortunately, we don't have um, a lot of that, but we do know, we do know racialized folks have been impacted. And even if it's just anecdotal, um, we've seen it, right? So yeah, and I mean, this isn't over. The, the, you know, the numbers here in Alberta are rising, the variants are rising. It's, it's a scary time. And so it's, you know, we can't view this as something we're, we're getting over because we're still in the midst of it. And sort of on the same, but a bit off, um, for women who want to have children, and also want to go into politics. Um, obviously, it shouldn't be an either or choice. But how do you sort of advise them to balance those wants and needs um, in a very male based uh, political world? Yeah, 
Well, and I mean, of course, I, you know, I, I'm not the best to speak on this because I, um, I do not have uh, children. I have my, uh, my cat son, Oregano, who's um, currently looking at magpies uh, out the window. Um, I'll show you him in a minute if you'd like. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't have children, but I, you know, I, I'm surrounded by um, amazing women, men as well, but uh, women in particular who, uh, who balance it. And I, I can't imagine, you know, I get home and I'm just like, holy crow, how, how did I get through the day? Uh, and I just have oregano and some plants to look after. So I, I don't, and I mean, the plants are doing okay. That's, they they're better now. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Don't look too closely, but um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's doable, right? It, it's certainly challenging, but um, I don't ever want women in particular to be held back from politics because of that because we need parents in the legislature, right? We need single parents. We need parents who, who know what it's like to struggle, right? We absolutely do. And um, one of the things that, uh, for, I know that you have probably a lot of pieces going on, but um, what would be your next steps in, in your work? Well, just like, career-wise or just generally like what do you what are you thinking um maybe a bit of both um <laughs> in your current position and then maybe after this position <laughs> yeah no and I mean I guess the answer is kind of the same so I can I can touch on both I mean um yeah because I get asked all the time like oh you're gonna do something else like you know what are what are your plans and like my plans listen I've only been an MLA for less than two years uh I was elected in April 2019 so, oh my goodness, I have so much more to learn. Um, I uh, plan to, you know, I plan to run again, and I, 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 I just have so much more that um, that I need to learn and that I need to do. So, um, yeah, I just no no big plans for me other than fighting with our team and our late our leader Rachel Notley to form government in uh, in twenty twenty three because that's. That's really the, the the big battle that we have ahead of us. Um, you know, we've uh, we've got a lot of seats that we need to we need to win if we are going to form government, and so that work has already started, right? And uh, I'm trying to help as much as I can across the province to um, to keep that work going, right? I've been talking to a lot of folks in Calgary as an example because that's where we need to pick up a lot of seats, and. Uh, I'm never taking my own riding. I mean, just for those folks who don't know, my area has been a, a strong NDP area for a long time. I'll never take that for granted. And of course, I'm working my my butt off here as well. But um, I know I need to help as much as I can across the province too. Um, and if you were sort of to bring one issue sort of to the forefront, all resources, all steam ahead, what would it be? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I gosh, there's so many like, yeah, I have to think on that one. I mean, I still think and maybe it's just because it's so top of mind today with the trans day of visibility, but um, I still think there's so much work to be done when it comes to LGBTQ2S plus rights. And like, when somebody tells me that it's time to move on from my gay agenda or uh, my gay agenda, by the way, which is right here, um, <laughs> but in case anyone wants to, wants to read it. Um, you know, so yeah, whenever anybody tells me to move on from that sort of thing, I just know that's just a sign of how much more work we have to do because until every racialized trans person is safe on our streets, no, we're, 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 we're the gay agenda is not over. So um, that's one thing for sure. Uh, again, just because it's uh, it's on my mind today, but 
you know, there's just so many issues for me that are, um, that are important. The gay agenda to me looks like education and healthcare and fighting climate change and supporting workers' rights and investing in childcare. And the, and you know, like I can, I can point to so many things. So I guess that's my, that's my gay agenda. Um, but no, like I, I just, I, I probably can't pinpoint one or two issues, but just that, um, we've got a lot of battles that we're fighting right now on so many fronts here in Alberta. And, um, you know, I'm just going to keep amplifying those and I'm just going to keep fighting, um, so that we can, uh, have the province that we all, um, know and love. Yeah. I always think it's like a little bit farther. i always think we're two steps farther than we usually are. And then, so something like when the curriculum came out and there's obviously some big holes of, of who was being covered and who wasn't, it's like, Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. That's where we are. Good. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my sort of one last question is if you were to leave um, the future listeners, so target would be university students um, who are thinking about following a career path similar to yours or just into a position of leadership in general, what would be sort of your words of advice, pieces of wisdom? Whew. I mean, always it's, it's do it right. And I mean, getting involved in politics doesn't mean you have to run for office, right? There's just so many ways to get involved, getting involved with the campaign campaign at whatever level, municipal, provincial, federal, right? Finding a candidate that inspires you, learning the ropes, running would be amazing, right? If you do decide to take that leap. But yeah, I mean, my biggest advice is to, if, if you feel that calling, if you feel that um, little burning desire to get involved, do it and, and reach out and, um, yeah, if anybody, you know, I'll, I'll leave this with folks too. If anybody does have any questions that I can answer, um, get in touch. I'd love to try to help. And, uh, um, you know, like I said, my goal is to get a whole lot more folks involved in, in politics and, and bringing about the, the type of po positive change that I know, uh, I know we all want and believe in. Well, thank you so much. Um, I know you're a huge inspiration to, to everyone in our club, so it's an honor to to have you here and um, thank you for answering all our questions and uh, yeah, no, really appreciate it. <laughs> no, that's so great. I'm, I'm so honored to, uh, to have been asked. And uh, like I said, if there's ever anything else you need, um, just let me know. And if you, if you need, there's my bike in the way, but if you, uh, if you need anything from Oregano, he's also um, quite helpful. I can so tell you. yeah, you can. <laughs> He's not looking at birds right now, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's a great uh, he's a great companion. So there we go. Adorable. <laughs> oh, that's a nice little spot there. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I know he uh, he spends a lot of time looking out that window at at various birds, sometimes cats and dogs too, which is extra exciting. I mean, that's essentially what I do while I sit here and look right? out my window. Yeah, so. me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <I get> it. <laughs> Well, yeah, so essentially